Ms. Hahn? We're continuing uh, Paul's letter um, from Rome, where he was in prison, Philippians 1, 20 to 26. I, uh, I think this is the loveliest letter that was ever written in, in the world. I really do. I want to thank Kitty for uh, choosing this one for me. I don't think she knew this, but this was a number one section in the Bible for all of the Martins. It was very special. We lost our son Rex four years ago, last Christmas. Um, he came back from service in, in uh, South Korea, and he had a brain tumor. Uh, but God loaned us him for another 21 years after that. Um, four years ago, we lost him, but um, we all decided uh, during those times he was with us that uh, we'd all meet in North Carolina because Christy was being born at Christmas time. So we all met there and waiting for her to be born. And uh, uh, then I said, okay, let's read some scripture. And uh, I said, I'll go get a Bible. I couldn't find a Bible anywhere. And our son Rex says, well, how about uh, Philippians? I said, what do you mean, how about Philippians? He said, uh, well, I memorized the whole book. <laughs> wow. His favorite birth, his favorite uh, verse was, for me to live is Christ and to die is to gain we put that on his plate at the cemetery. Well, here it is. See if I can read it. <laughs> but put my glasses on. Okay. Paul says, I live in eager expectation and hope that I will never do anything that causes me shame, but that I will always be bold for Christ. Always be bold for him as I have been in the past, and that my life will always honor Christ where I, whether I live or die. And he says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. Yet if I live, that means fruitful service for Christ. I really don't know which is better. I'm torn between the two, two desires. Sometimes I want to live on. And sometimes, well, I long to go and to be with Christ. That would be far better for me. But it is better for you Philippians that I live. I am convinced of this. So I will continue with you so that you will grow and experience the joy of your faith. Then when I return to you, you will have even more reason to boast about what Christ has done for me. May we all be willing to go and be with Jesus or stay to help as many people as we can and to honor Christ. Amen? Amen. From deep in my spirit comes the hope that I will never face the shame of defeat but that I will always have courage now and always to bring honor to the chosen one by the way I live 
Oh, by the way, I die. How can I lose? The chosen one is my life, and death only brings me something better. Even if death would be a better choice, living in this world means my work will bear good fruit. So I do not know which way to go. I'm being pulled from both directions. On the one hand, a desire to go to be with the chosen one, which would be better by far than staying here in this world. But on the other hand, staying here to help you is needed even more. Since I am needed here, I am sure that I will stay so I can continue to walk you down a road of joy and strengthen your faith. That was the same passage read out of the First Nations translation by theologians from um, many different Indian tribes all over the United States in order to share the message of Jesus Christ. And it's one that's familiar to all of us, and I've been encouraging you that as you see where we're going in the coming weeks, that you would read it and receive from it personally and privately before you come publicly to hear what I or Don or anybody else might have to say about it. And I thought that because this was such a very familiar passage to myself and one that I had memorized, although a smaller portion of it, that I really loved the translation that I found with this one, and I wanted to memorize that one. But just some background again uh, and purpose that, you know, Paul is writing to believers in Philippi. This is a group of people where uh, there were not enough Jews in Philippi to have a synagogue. And so he went down to the riverside where he found people praying. This was their regular spot. He was like, well, we don't have a synagogue in Philippi, but I do know where people gather to worship God and to pray and to hear the word. They, they go down by the riverside. And how many of you love going down by the riverside or out in nature to be able to experience God? So um, what's awesome about this letter is that Paul, when he was in Philippi, was imprisoned and would then sing hymns with Silas. And, and God ended up uh, creating an earthquake It would have freed them, but what that ended up doing was bringing the jailer and his whole family into relationship with Jesus Christ. So we have Paul in this city in prison singing a hymn where we have Paul writing this letter to the Philippians from prison, and Philippians chapter 2 will have one of the greatest hymns about Jesus that's ever been written. And so this morning, I really want to focus on two questions The first is, do I believe at the core of who I am that it's better to be with Christ? Do I believe it? Because sometimes I think, you know, we, we get so involved in what we're doing right here and right now that do we really believe that it would be better to be with Jesus? And then the second question is, if I do get to live, what am I living for? And it's important for us to answer these questions because of the impact that it can have on on people around us. There was research that came out just this week showing how the religious landscape in in the United States is changing and that Christians are on track to lose their majority status within a few decades if recent trends continue. And it's driven mostly by young people leaving the faith. 
There was a report by Pew Research Center that shows more and more people continue to leave Christianity to join the growing ranks of people who describe their religious identity as atheist, agnostic, or nothing in particular. And there's a word coined for those who would say that they are nothing in in particular. They're the nuns, not N-U-N-S, but N-O-N-E-S, that they don't have any kind of affiliation. And according to the report, about 90% of adults in the United States identified as Christians as early as the 1990s. In 2007, it was 78%. Today, that number is down to 64%. And when people change their religious identity, the switch typically happens somewhere between the ages of 15 and 29. However, since the rise of the nuns began in the 1990s, a pattern has emerged in which a measurable share of adult ages 30 to 65 also disaffiliate from Christianity. And if these recent trends continue, the report suggests that Christianity will no longer be the majority religion within just a few decades. And the thing is, is that we can lament those changes in our culture, or we can realize that it was within a culture where followers of Jesus were already the minority where Paul wrote these words, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. And Paul is essentially saying that Jesus is my life. He is the one that I live for. And you can tell what someone lives for by what they're willing to die for. But for Paul, it's not just about his willingness to die for Jesus or for Jesus' purposes, for some higher purpose. It's the fact that he was so convinced that what comes after death was so much better. Everybody say, mo' better. (laughs) It was so much more better than the current life. Paul was convinced that what came in the afterlife was better than his current life situation. To die is gain. Now, I could very easily have named this series to die is gain. How many of you would have been excited about this series if I would have named it to die is gain? Okay, I don't see a show of hands there. Um, But we leaned in on him saying that Jesus is his life. To live is Christ. And in Paul's mind, though, dying was gain. And he felt torn between these two realities. It was his deep desire to depart to be with Jesus. In fact, he would say this to his friends in Corinth in 2 Corinthians 5.8. He says, we are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. And in Paul and Peter's writings, we see them talking about death as a departure. And I would love to tell you right now that I had something in having dad be the one who was going to read this and having him share what we had experienced four years ago at Christmas. Because it was Peter's words in talking about death as a departure that grabbed my attention because when Peter was talking about the fact and somehow, some way, the Lord let him know that his time on earth was short and that the time for his departure was near. But he was going to do everything that he could do to make sure that people knew who he loved and who he lived for. And I wrote that inscription in Bibles that I gave the girls. And that morning, around the fire, 
in Dearborn, Michigan. That was our last Christmas to be together as an entire family because Rex then was promoted to glory in February of that year. Next year. Interesting. Death is a departure. See, when you go to any airport, you have a lane for arrivals and you have a lane for departures. And when you're in the lane for departures, you're dropping someone off who is flying to their next destination. Death is a departure to the next destination. Death isn't the end, it's a new beginning. And we are more ready for death when life isn't going so good. It's amazing to me how many times I heard people say, oh, I just want Jesus to return. You know, in the past couple of years, it's, you know, it was just this, this idea, I just want Jesus to return or I'm ready to go home and be with him because of the struggles that we've been having. We are more ready for death when life isn't going so good. So I just wanted to take a poll. When do you think Johnny is more ready for Indian Rocks Beach in Florida? In September or in March? Anybody venture again? How many of you say September? Raise, raise your hands. No, okay. How many of you say March when Johnny is ready for Indian Rocks Beach in Florida? Yeah, because I haven't seen the sun for a month and I've been cold for three months. And so I'm longing for that destination. And we long for life in heaven when life on earth isn't going so well. And Paul though, wanted to be with Jesus all the time. He was torn between the two. And he knew that no matter how awesome life was right now, it was far better to depart and be with Jesus. So in Paul's mind, we gain something when we depart. See, the, the good news is that there are a lot of news when you die in Christ. And that, it's not, I'm not talking about, you know, like, uh, CNN News or Fox News. I'm, I'm talking about there are a number of news, a number of new things that we experience when we die in Christ. Number one, we get new bodies. How many say amen to that one? Um, Paul told the Corinthians in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the imperishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. When the perishable has been clothed with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality, then the saying that is written will come true. Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where, O death, is your victory? Where, O death, is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, he gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So we get a new body. We get a new home. Jesus was telling his disciples when they were troubled, don't be troubled. Don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'll come back and take you to be with me, that you also may be with me where I am. We get new bodies, new home, new heaven and earth. Revelation 21, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband, 
And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. And there will be new relationships. Mark captures Jesus' words in Mark chapter 10 where Jesus says, Truly, truly, I tell you, no one who has left home or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for me and the gospel will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age, homes, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, fields, along with persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. And though Paul was torn, though he longed to depart to be with Jesus, though to die would be gain, he knew he would continue to live for Jesus. Living is Christ. Living on in the body didn't mean he would spend his time on himself, his resources on himself, his energy on himself. It meant fruitful labor for him. Though departing to be with Jesus was better by far, he knew this one truth. If you're not dead, you're not done. Come on. If you're not dead, you're not done. You see, it's more necessary. It's more needed for you, Katrina, Mira, Don, John, Kenton, Jean, Tim, August. It is more needed for you that I remain, that I stay, that I don't leave, that I come alongside of you, that I spend time with you, that we eat together and and pray together and play together and have fun together and go hiking together. And I'm convinced that I'm not going anywhere. I know I will remain and continue with all of you for this very purpose. One, for your progress in the faith. I want to see you progress and grow and develop. Because if we're followers of Jesus, we may actually have to get up and go somewhere. He is calling us to change from the inside out, to be transformed and to be new creations. See, I want to come alongside of you so you make progress, you you progress in your love for God. You, you progress in your growth in Jesus. You progress in hearing the Holy Spirit. You progress to experience God more. And that you experience the excitement that when God invites you into something and he does something that only he can do through you, that is then where you experience him on new levels. And you begin to experience not only the progress, but joy. I'm convinced that I'm staying here for the purpose, for your progress in the faith, as well as for your joy in the faith. So long as I get to live, I want you to experience joy. And it's amazing to me how much joy has been coming up in our times together as we've worshiped together and as we've studied together. Our Christmas series was simply entitled Joy. And joy is that sense of calm delight. Calm delight. And I want to walk beside you so that no matter what's going on around you, that you could have a sense of joy within you. And it wouldn't be awesome to know that so long as you continue to live, that you can walk with others for their progress and joy in the faith. Just this week, an article was highlighting the life, ministry, and music of Phil Wickham. 
Uh, he's the voice and, and songwriter behind church favorites like Living Hope, This Is Amazing Grace, and House of the Lord. And the events of 2020 were a wake-up call for Phil and what he says was the Christian music community as well as the American church in general. He said, a lot of my friends in ministry and pastors were kind of shaken out of the formula or the things that we just do. Because we had to be like, what are we really doing here? What's really important? What do we need to strip away? What's the fluff? What's the stuff that lifts us up? What's the stuff that really helps? What's really kingdom here? At least a lot of my friends and myself were asking these questions and didn't really know we had to. But in an exciting way, we're saying, life is short. It could change any minute. We just want Jesus and we just want to be about the kingdom stuff. And at the height of COVID-19, the pandemic and the lockdowns, his song, Battle Belongs, became an anthem for Christians worldwide. The tune released in the fall of 2020 reminds believers that nothing can stand against the power of God. With lyrics including the lines, so when I fight, I'll fight on my knees with my hands lifted high. Oh God, the battle belongs to you. It became such a fight song and a faith-building song for me, Phil said. And almost immediately, I started receiving instant messages and emails from people saying, this had given me words to my prayers. I didn't know what to pray when I was in the hospital bed by the graveside or when we lost our job. And we just prayed this song. It was just so moving. But as Phil witnessed the way that God was using Battle Belongs to lift up those who were struggling, he began to feel the Holy Spirit challenging himself challenging him to examine his own beliefs and take a closer look at his own walk with God. As I was hearing people say, I was going through this, but I just kept crying out to the Lord and it was great. I was just thinking, man, I'm the one singing the song, but is it really true for my life? Is this my go-to playbook when I hit a wall or face a metaphorical mountain? So he began combing through the scriptures, writing down stories and praying lessons over his life. From Moses' courage in crossing the Red Sea to Joshua fighting the battle of Jericho against all odds. I just started going to the scriptures and I, I need more of this in my life. And I want to sing Battle Belongs with so much conviction and confidence that this is true for my life. And during that process he was surprised to discover he'd accidentally settled into what he described as lifestyle Christianity, missing out on the joy and excitement of being in God's presence in the process, just kind of doing what you should do and not doing what you shouldn't do, but kind of just following this formula, but missing the excitement and the joy. I felt so, I, I don't know if con convicted is the right word, but like, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've missed out on the joy and the beauty of it just because I haven't been cultivating in my heart this excitement to be in your presence. And let me just reiterate something that he said earlier. He said, life is short. We just want to be about Jesus and about his kingdom. To die may be gain. 
to depart with Jesus may be better by far. I'm going to keep living for Jesus and remaining with you so that when you're in the midst of your battles, you will know there's a purpose, that we are to remain with each other for our progress and joy in the faith. Just this week, I was reading an article about what's happening over the seas. About 10 days before the Ukrainian military recaptured the city of Izium in the Kharkiv region on September 9th, Russian soldiers wrote at least 10 letters to their superiors asking to be relieved from active duty. One commander wrote this, I refuse to complete my duty in the special operation on the territory of Ukraine due to moral exhaustion. I'm asking us this morning, are you exhausted? (laughs) Are you excited? Many in the Russian military are quitting because they don't believe in what they're fighting for. While a much smaller military is gaining ground and winning different battles because they do. They know what they're willing to die for because they know what they are called to live for. Listen, are you exhausted? Are you excited? Come to grips with the reality that departing with, to be with Jesus would be better. It's okay to think that way. You're not having suicidal thoughts by saying, I would love to be with Jesus right now. But if you're not dead, you're not done. You get to live your life for Jesus right here and right now. You get to walk with others for them to experience more joy and for them to be able to progress in life and in faith. Great Father, leaving to be with you would be absolutely amazing. But so long as my friends and I get to live for your son, Jesus, the chosen one, may we come alongside one, another, uh, one other person, that one person who maybe has never known you or that one person who maybe they've walked away from you. I pray, Father God, that you would help us as a church to ask that question, who's your one, that we may come alongside of them that so long as we get to live life in this body, we get to walk alongside of people for their progress and joy in the faith. Amen.